Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Blue Jays podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua Anselmo, here with my co-host, Nicholas Velacci. Nick, the Jays take two of two so far in the series against the Baltimore Orioles, a doubleheader today. They took both in very convincing fashion. What is your thoughts on today and the very, very important wins? Yeah, like you said, today was a very important day. I think we saw, uh, you know, guys come up big when they had to be. Uh, it, it was important. There's no way around it, right? Baltimore was, I believe, coming into this game at a game and a half behind. Uh, you know, we are holding on to that third wildcard spot, so every game from here on out is important. Uh, but these two definitely, now that we've, you know, won both of them, has definitely extended their lead. Uh, you know, at least, I'm not going to say comfortably, because we still have two more, I believe, in this series to go. But it's definitely put some nice breathing room where we, you know, we do have a little cushion to fall back on. Yeah, but this is the fun part about the baseball season. You know, the race is tight. We're getting closer and closer to the playoffs. It's the most exciting part of the year. You know, every game matters. We've heard that from the team itself in their interviews post game, And you could see now they're starting to play like that, right? Like that Bach call on Kevin Gosman, that was brutal. That was awful. That was that. That was terrible. Yeah, and Kevin's response to that, you know, we're going to dive more into that. Like, that, like just the, just for a professional to say that, you know, that's awful. That's disgusting. Um, but the way Bo Bichette was able to get in the middle there to prevent Kevin Gosman from getting thrown out, right? Like, that urgency to keep one of the best pitchers in baseball in that game against a, a team that, you know, is really surprising people and in that race as well alongside the Blue Jays. And just to see, you know, the commitment to keeping guys like that in game and stuff that just shows you how much is on the line and how much they know is on the line here. And I just thought that was pretty cool. But, uh, you know, I, I think we could start off, obviously, with the morning game. Uh, the Jays win 7-3. to three. Um, Like I just said, Kevin Gosman pitched in this one. 6.2 innings pitched, 7 hits, 2 runs, 2 earned runs, 6 Ks. What is your thoughts on Kevin Gosman's afternoon? Well, you know, I think he showed up big when he had to. Like we said, there was that awkward... Uh, you know, inexcusable call on that block. Um, you know, questionable decision there. Uh, and you saw how he responded right out of the gate, you know, strike out the side right after. Uh, it was impressive to see. And he's basically just done what we've become accustomed to. I know he had that rough stretch where he really wasn't on top of his game. But nonetheless, he's bounced back. And, I mean, you know, when he's on, he's a top 10 pitcher in baseball. There's no doubt in my mind, right? He's capable of that. And we've seen that throughout the year. Uh, you know, this is a good time this September. We need him to be this good, and he has been, right? So... Uh, definitely good, uh, all things considered. Strikeouts were there. Uh, velocity was back up, I believe, compared to his last start. I think it was down a little bit, if I remember correctly. Uh, but, you know, all, all in all, it was a very impressive performance once again, and hopefully you can continue moving forward. Yeah, let's just go through the scoring here quickly. So Santander obviously got the game started with the homer to right field. But after that, Kevin Biggio single to right field. Matt Chapman scores. Alejandro Kirk reaches on a fielder's choice of the shortstop. Bo Bichette out at second base. George Springer scores. Then Bo Bichette grounds out a second base. Gunnar Henderson kind of muffles that throw um, to Ryan Mountcastle. And then that sends Vladimir Guerrero to second. George Springer then scored. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle doubled to deep right in the uh, bottom of the sixth. Adley Rutschman scored. 
Uh, Teoscar Hernandez then hit his 20th home run of the season at the top of the eighth. Anthony Santander with a second home run of the game. Credit to him, although he's on Baltimore. He had a good afternoon here today. Um, his 27th home run of the season. But then in the top of the ninth, the Jays really just ran away with it. George Springer singles to left field. Santiago Espinal went to second. Lourdes uh, Gurriel, sorry, scores. Then Vladimir Guerrero Jr. singles to center field. George Springer to third. Santiago Espinal scores. And then Bo Bichette singles to right field. Vladdy scores. Or sorry, Vladdy went to second. George Springer scores. And th that's how the Jays essentially got all their seven runs. Um, you know, my favorite part about the offense in the first game today was that there was just, you know, that clutch hitting, right? They had runners on and they really capitalized on Baltimore's mistakes. Like I mentioned that muffled throw there by Gunnar Henderson, where he tried to throw to first base, but you know, stuff like that is what the Jays need to capitalize on moving forward, especially teams like the Baltimore Orioles that we know um, they have had a very impressive season for sure, especially given their circumstances, but they're not amongst the best, right? Like they're not a Dodgers or anything. And you can pick off these little mistakes, especially defensively. And the Jays really, really capitalized on that. This wasn't one of those games where the Jays just ran away with it with the home runs. We know this is a power offense, right? And usually in a lot of their games where they score such high numbers of runs, it's usually because of the big home runs, the big swings. But in this one, in the morning game, it's just timely hitting. And that was very encouraging for me to see, especially in the top of the ninth, right? You know, that game, they still had the lead at that time, but just the clutch hitting in the top of the ninth, you know, that in the playoffs and down the run here is going to be extremely important. And, uh, you know, I love seeing that. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I want to make two things uh, clear before I start. Uh, I think the Orioles have a very, very bright future. If you ask me who the best three teams in the AL East will be moving forward uh, past this year, it'll probably be, you know, the Jays, Orioles, and the Rays in any particular order. Um, like you said, they're not a powerhouse yet. Uh, and that's given the fact that a lot of these guys like Gunner are just too young, right? Like they make these mistakes. This is what happens when you're new um, and you're a young team pushing for the playoffs. We've seen this in past years with the Blue Jays where, you know, they're just not ready yet. They're too young and they'll make these small mistakes. And what do good teams do? They capitalize on them, right? As these games down the stretch, um, you know, get tighter and into October, hopefully, um, you have to be able to take advantage of those mistakes when they happen because you're not going to get very many throughout the game. So when you see a spot where something like that happens, you just need to capitalize and they did that today. Um, I guess another point is that, honestly, if I have to be honest, I think if there's one man that I trust with the season on the line, it has to be George Springer. I mean, time and time again, this guy has come through and we've seen it. Uh, and it's just, like, unbelievable. Obviously, it wasn't, you know, as high stress as we've seen him in. But it just seems like every big spot or every big rally we need started, like, he's just that guy who comes through. Um, and I think that's good. I mean, going back, like, he is a World Series MVP at one point, albeit with the cheating allegations and whatnot that, you know, we're definitely not going to gloss over. But, I mean, that guy is built for October, and I'd love to see him play some meaningful baseball this year. Oh, yeah, I agree with that 100%. You hit it right on the head there. Uh, you know, this offense, though, it's just so hit or miss, and right now you're starting to finally see the good and the upside out of it. But there's been times throughout the season where we kind of see the negatives and the, you know, the bottoms and the lows of the lows. But right now, if they can just ride this out throughout September, you know, these, these clutch performances from guys like Springer, like you mentioned, even Vladdy, if he can kind of get back to that form we saw last year, you know, right now he's in a little bit of a rut. Obviously, we can see that he's, you know, on himself a bit. Um, you just, you got that feeling that I feel like tomorrow or something, that next pitch is going to go over the fence, just the way he's hitting the ball. It's just been unlucky. Uh, but then you have guys like Bo Bichette, right, who just unloaded today 
in the game. And, uh, you know, that's very encouraging. And, you know, down the road here, I need to see more of this from this team. Obviously, I love Matt Chapman's second half so far. He's also been a guy that when this team gets hot and in rallies, it seems like he plays a role in it. Um, you know, his power has really showed in the back half here, which is awesome to see from a guy that, you know, a lot of people projected to have a phenomenal season offensively here in that trade since he came to the Jays. But it's been, you know, a slower start. But this second half, he's been arguably the best player on the team. And then you have, you know, the, the bullpen, right? The bullpen looks a little bit more, um, I guess, how do I say it? A little bit more. Uh, and, reliable. Yeah, reliable is a good word. Like, you know, even in that bullpen game, like I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. Rowan Z Contreras throwing for the Pirates. And then we have Richards starting the opener and then Kikuchi to come in as his replacement. But, you know, they got the job done. And that's what I want to see from this team. I don't care if they're making highlight real home runs, making these beautiful plays defensively or getting, you know, these top plays of the month. I just want to see them getting the job done. If that means that your job is to pitch a shutout inning, then just pitch a shutout inning. I don't care if it's three straight strikeouts, three ground balls, two flyouts and a ground ball. Just get the job done. I don't care how you do it. And if they can do that, this team not only getting to October, hopefully, but it will be a tough team to play against in October because when this team just gets that mindset of just get the job done, do whatever you got to do instead of looking for the plus plus stuff, then I think this team's dangerous. And I think you're starting to see it right now that, you know, determination and that desperation, uh, desperation as well. Like they're coming into a series now against Baltimore where they know how good Baltimore is and they had really timely hits. And I hope to see that moving forward. Um, but is it time to get to the Kevin Gosman block here before we go to game two? Uh, I think I just want to add one thing, honestly, and you can tell me what you think about this, but I think it's really interesting about how, um, you know, they can, uh, as a team, like how many different lineups have we seen? I think that's the special thing about this team um, is that like you can look day to day and it's like, it's something new. Uh, and it's, and, you know, you can see now, like it starts to work out, you know, not even if you go back two weeks ago, we had Lourdes hitting leadoff, Lourdes hitting three, and today he's hitting eight stick and he does he goes three for four in the eight hole, right? You see Matt Chapman who's hitting leadoff for a little bit. It's like the versatility is there, and that shows you like the amount of talent that is in this lineup. So if they're clicking on all cylinders, this is gonna be a tough team to beat. And I think we should see that moving forward given, you know, the outlook of uh today and you know, the past couple series. Uh but yeah, I think that was just something that was interesting to me considering, you know, all the shuffling and how it really hasn't mattered. Uh but yeah, let's move on to Gosman for sure. Yeah, I agree with that for sure with what you said. And especially the part where we've seen Guriel move up in the order and, you know, but it seems like he hits better in the bottom of the lineup. Maybe that's due to, you know, uh, the opposing team's game plans and stuff like that. But no, I agree a hundred percent with that. And like you said, even we've seen Chapman hit lead off even a couple of days ago against the pirates. So, you know, I agree with that for sure. The versatility is crucial if you want to be a team that makes it far in October. And I think that's a very good point that you brought up there, but now going up to the uh, going out to the Kevin Gosman block, um, I just want to read. So this is a tweet from Arden Zwelling. Um, Kevin Gosman on Jeff on um, Jeff Nelson's block call on his pitch in the fourth inning. This is his response. I just felt like Jeff, for whatever reason, wanted to make that call and went into the game knowing that he was going to make that call, and that's unfortunate. Now this situation is very interesting because you know I've seen both sides here. Even the Blue Jays broadcast is kind of talking about how you can't really do that, but 
you if you look, that's how Gosman pitches, right? Like it's not a distinct like jump off the ground. It, like if even if you watch in slow motion, it looks like his foot's still connected to the ground. I think so, that's just how Gosman, you know, is that's his rhythm, right? Like he does this. They showed a timeline of Gosman pitching. He does this all the time, right? Like, is it just me or do you think this was just an awful call? Yeah, I agree with Gosman here. It looks like he was pinpointing at this and he made this out on purpose because, you know, even if you watch this in slow motion, I really don't see how if you're, you know, being the ump of this game and you're watching Gosman pitch here, I don't know how that comes to your head right away. that That's a block call because that's just how Gosman throws. Right. I don't think there's any other way you can interpret it, to be honest. Um, it does seem very intentional about that call, considering it was the first base runner of the game. Um, it is odd, in my opinion. You know, this isn't a first-year guy, second-year guy in the league. This isn't even one of those situations like we saw with Jordan Romano where he switches up his delivery every year, right? This is something Gosman's been doing for, you know, a number of years now. So to make this call on a random game against the Orioles in the first inning on the first, you know, first base runner on base seems like it is intentional, and I'm not sure why. Um you know, I don't think we'll get much more reasoning behind it than that. I'm just hoping moving forward that this isn't something that continues on um, because the, you know, the whole, uh, you know, umpire governing body that exists hasn't talked to Gosman before about this, right? This hasn't been an issue in the past. So to see this come up is a bit strange. Uh, and hopefully, you know, Gosman gets to keep doing what makes him comfortable because obviously, you know, messing something, oh, you know, I'm not sure it would make that big of a difference, but, you know, you never want to mess with a pitcher's, uh, you know, setup and everything like that because I could, you know, play around um a little too much uh but yeah regardless it was a very questionable call at best in my opinion uh unnecessary but we'll see what kind of uh you know domino effect it has moving forward yeah i agree um you know but like just watching it like that just looks like gosman is you know feeling the rhythm it's a tight game high leverage situation runners on no out and he's kind of just you know just bouncing off the momentum like i don't see anything that would really it looked very intentional and I agree for sure. I, I didn't like that call at all. And I don't blame him for getting fired up, but again, credit to Bo Bichette for that amazing defensive play and keeping Kevin in the game because he would not be pitching after that. Like the way how heated he was in that situation, there's no way he wouldn't have got himself tossed, but let's go to game two. Now the Jays win this one, eight to four. Uh, the scoreline doesn't predict how the game felt. It felt, you know, very comfortable throughout the night. Like once that third inning, started with the Boba Shed home run to left field. But let's start with Jose Barrios. You know, go six innings, eight hits, three runs, two earned runs, two Ks, two walks. Barrios didn't have a high strikeout count in this one, but still a, a moderately good outing. Six innings, only two earned runs. Does the eight hits, though, concern you? You know, I think that's a theme that we've seen in the past, uh, basically this whole season from Barrios. He just seemed to get hit around a little bit, um, which is not great. Um, I will say for one thing, though, is that, like, you know, that last inning definitely wasn't um, his fault. The rain was insane. That was coming down. I thought they would have called it. They didn't, uh, which obviously led to those three base runners getting on. Uh, so right there, I think that knocks it. I believe it was two hits they had that inning. So I believe that knocks it down to six over six, which isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, overall, you know, I, I do like what I've been seeing from Brios lately. I think he's kind of putting it together, um, although you would like to see that account going uh, you know, down. Unfortunately, I can't really say I'm like concerned considering this is kind of what the norm has been all year. So it's hard to say that, oh, like now I'm concerned about it. I've all, you know, all year I've been worried about Barrios and his performance. So I'd say that, 
this isn't something I'm shocked by. Uh, we can only hope that it kind of, you know, lowers as we get closer to the postseason because when time comes down to it, like, you know, you can't give up nine, ten hits at a game and win in the playoffs, right? That doesn't happen. Or if it does, you're expecting a lot out of your offense. So, um, you know, moving forward, you would like to see that go down a bit. And he has the stuff to do it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, like, I like how you said we've seen this more, like, on the occasion than not. And that's just what's frustrating. You know, you know, you go back to August 12th with Barrios. He pitched four innings that day against Cleveland, gave up eight hits. Then you go to his start against the Yankees, his next start, August 18th. In 6.2 innings, he gave up six hits, which is not bad. One earned nine Ks in one walk. He had a very nice performance in New York. But then you go against uh, – you go to his uh, performance against Boston – Again, six innings, but only five hits, two earned, six Ks. See, the hits are lower and the Ks are up. But you go to his most two recent starts here. The Chicago Cubs goes 5.2 innings, gives up 10 hits, four earned runs, four Ks, one walk. Then you go to tonight's game, six innings pitch, eight hits, two earned, two Ks, two walks. Now, see, like he's getting hit around a lot, like you said. But the Ks upside, like, you know, he needs to start striking out people a little bit more. We saw that series in New York when he got the nine Ks, there's been nights where he's pitched for the Blue Jays this season. He's been a strikeout monster, right? Like he's had some good performances. So we know what's in him. We know the talent he has. That's not a question. It's just the amount of times he's getting hit and, you know, 18 hits in his last two starts is very concerning for me. Like you said, in that playoff, in the playoffs, right? 18 hits in two games is outrageous. That's going to bite you. And that's going to put you in a serious hole. And uh, you know, that makes me a little cautious. But he's still, you know, he's still 28 years old, right? Still in his prime. Uh, he's going to figure things out, I hope, uh, because he's getting paid like it. And uh, he's going to some as well. Yeah. No, 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 you're good. You're totally good. I just, I just want to get this out while, while we're going. Um, and, you know, the, you know, the unfortunate thing is if you do look, even at his last, like, seven games, last 15 games, like, he isn't improving. Like, for whatever reason, like, even over his last seven, a 5.3 ERA. Last 15 games, a 5.6 ERA. And like you were saying, like the strikeouts are coming in bunches. And that's like, that's the concerning part. Like he's put up more games with one strikeout than I think he's put up with over five. If you go back to the last like two months and it doesn't make any sense given how good his stuff is. And we know like he, he had 13 strikeouts. I don't think like what, 10 starts ago, maybe like we know he's capable of this, but for the fact that he's either striking out one guy or striking out 10, like that's just not going to cut it. Like that won't at all. What do you think about that? No, for sure. Like, you don't know what night in the playoffs you're going to go against. Uh, let's say somehow it is the struggling Yankees right now. And even though they're struggling, that's still a team that can hit you hard. And Brios has been hit hard this year. And when you're getting hit 18 times in two games, when you have Aaron Judge across the plate from you, you have, you know, even Josh Donaldson, who's got a little bit of pop in his bat still. Hicks, you go down the order. Rizzo, like Rizzo's just been a monster against the Jays this year. Like that team is going to put the ball over the fence, even That's you know. Uh huh. Right now, if the playoffs are right now, three game series wild card is Brios in your top three? Uh, um, I gotta go. Okay, so Manoa, Gauze for sure are locks. I mean, like you have, like I have to say yes, right? Only because you give them that monstrous extension, you give up a pretty big package last year, which at the time was pretty big um, for Barrios. How do you now in your second year say, okay, you know, Barrios, you're not going to be in the top three. Like to me that like, that doesn't make sense. 
like if this was like you know we've seen them like they they're not afraid to do stuff like that we saw it with uh, with Ryu right but like I just feel like if you're paying this guy to be the guy you have to let him go out and decide your team's fate like that was your decision your trust and for you to you know sit him like who really are you gonna put like, Ross like you can put yes. Stripling yes I actually would put Ross you I actually would I see uh, I, I like Ross but like I feel like it's I know tough. what you're saying. No, I, I know what you're saying. And I agree with you in the fact that you gave him all this money. He has to earn it. But at a certain point, man, if this continues down the stretch, I just don't know if I can trust him. I just I just don't know. I got to say, that's a damn good question you just gave me because now I'm actually thinking about it. You know, but like I just prefer Ross coming out of the pen in that situation. Like Barrios, if that's game three, I know that if he does blow up, I'm probably going to have – I actually – no, because then you get stuck, right? Like we saw when Ryu blew up against the Rays in that mini playoff back then in 2020. Um, wow, that is a tough question. I think, uh, I mean, <laughs> I guess. I know. Wow. Okay. I know. It, it, it's funny because like I agree with you, Ross will be better. But the way I'm looking at it, right, is game one, you're probably, in my opinion, uh, Gossman's your game one pitcher, in my opinion. Um, because if you lose that first one, you want Manoa going game two to keep your season alive. So that, that's my opinion. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like the, the the consistency hasn't been there, and I don't know if I can bank on a coin flip. Like I'd rather Ross go out there and give me six innings, two runs, or six innings, three runs versus Barrios potentially getting lit up in three. Right? That's the that's the big question you got to ask yourself. You know what? Now that you said that, like. I don't, maybe I would go with Manoa in game one. Cause here, let, let me know what you think about this. I know this is kind of, you know, like going against what your point there said, but Manoa in game one, I feel like just the competitor he is and the, like the beast that he is that game one, I could see him being so electric, just take like his performance alone would take over the series. Like game one, you get shelled by Manoa, just consist consistently down in the order, down in the order, down in the order. That next game, I feel like that momentum with this Jays team, how much they, they're very like, I don't know how to like say this properly, but like they're very fluent off the vibe of the team and the locker room. Like if they're all having a good time, this is usually when this team plays its best baseball. And I feel like Manoa in a game one, like let's say they're in the Bronx and he just, you know, goes like eight innings, two hits, one earned, and the Jays win that game like 5-1. I feel like that monstrous performance from Manoa the way he hops off the mound just has that swagger I feel like that would completely take over a series what do you think okay you know what see in my opinion I think the only reason I like like everything you said about Manoa is correct the only reason I put him last is because I think I trust him more in a big game to like give me that dominant performance and I like I know Gosman out the gate sure thing I got that right so I know he's gonna come and deliver um what's going on um basically um in my opinion, uh, I'd probably go, yeah, like you said, Manoa Gosman won. And then, um, hmm, I think I'd go Barrios too if it's a win. I think it's Barrios too if it's a win. And then if you lose game one, you'd go Manoa or Gosman, which I'm going to use, and then you go Stripling three. Okay, yeah. I agree with that. Playoff time is exciting, man. I love these kind of like little matchup things. You really got me going thinking about that decision when you asked me that. Um, but going back to game two here. 
So the scoring for the Jays in this one, because we really went into the playoffs <laughs> with Jose Barrios, um, you know, Odor, Homer to right field, uh, Bo Bichette, Homer to left field. Um, then uh, after that, Jackie Bradley Jr. scored, Bo Bichette, um, no, sorry, then Kevin Biggio, Homer to right field, Jackie Bradley Jr. double to left field, Danny Jansen scores, Ryan Tapia scored. Then Bo Bichette, the top of the seventh, goes yard again, his 21st home run of the season. Um, you know, in a ballpark here in Baltimore that, you know, after the renovations, it is harder to hit home runs. Yet Bo Bichette goes out and does three tonight. You know, he went – so here's Bo Bichette, his stat line for tonight in general. He went six for ten in both games, three runs, six hits, three base hits, three home runs – and seven RBIs. Uh, that's just an amazing stat line for a guy that, you know, has just been so hated on in the last month or so here. And it, it makes me mad because, you know, Bo Bichette is clearly a franchise cornerstone of this team. We know there's a lot of jerseys in the stands every night with Bo's last name on it. But, like, the criticism and the hate, it reminds me kind of like down the road, you know, Scotiabank Arena of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He reminds me of that Mitch Marner where, you know, he's not the quite the face of the franchise like Matthews is there. And, you know, Vladdy is here for the Jays. He's that second guy. But just, you know, when things aren't going right from the fan base, it's hard on him because he isn't that number one guy. And, you know, Bo Bichette, like, he's just been the face of so much criticism. And just to see him finally have a night like this, it makes me happy. The last stretch here, you know, in that series against the Pirates, he, in my opinion, was the MVP of that series. You know, and if Bo Bichette can just keep this on here until October – this is what we've been waiting for, right? This superstar player to finally showcase that. And this year it's been tough for him, right? Like the home run power, that's been a conversation. You know, the, the talk about him playing defense and all this and his errors. But just to see him have a night like this where he goes six for 10, like I said, you know, those three base hits were very clutch too. Seven RBIs on the night with three home runs in that second game. What a game for Bo. What a two games for Bo. And if you just keep this up, this team is definitely going to be a beast here to finish it out. But also credit to Jackie Bradley Jr., right? Like that double to left field, Danny Jansen scored, right? Then Rymel Tapia scored. That is what I want to see. That is his 23rd double of the year for Jackie Bradley Jr. You know, obviously I trust him way more than I do Zimmer when he's in the lineup. And lately he's given me reasons to keep him in the lineup, right? Obviously he's not the best bat offensively, but defensively he's made some good plays, but you know, there's been times where he has had clutch hits. And if Jackie Bradley Jr. can just keep this up for a little bit now, uh, you know, I trust him way more than Zimmer. And hopefully we won't have to see Zimmer until the end of ball games. But, you know, like I said, the Jays win this one 8-4. What is your thoughts on Bo Bichette and his, you know, superb day? Yeah, first off, sorry for that. I had a roommate walk downstairs, got a little distracted there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, thoughts on Bo Bichette. I think the reason he gets so much criticism is because the fact that a lot of his value, and I think everyone knows this, his value comes from when he's hitting, right? He doesn't he doesn't walk much. Uh, he's not a great defender, although it has improved over time. Um, but yeah, basically, he's a hit-dependent uh, batter. He does lead the, lead, uh, lead the team in hits again this year. Uh, but, you know, when he was struggling, he didn't look great out there. He strikes out ugly. We know this. That big swing of his, it looks terrible when he strikes out. Uh, regardless... You know, late like today, for example, he can take over a game, and he is capable of that. Both games, we saw him just go nuts. I think he had five RBIs, I think, in the second game, uh, something like that. And that right there is like a guy putting the offense on his shoulders, right? Coming through in a big game where you need a win, and he's there, right? 
if Bo's hot, this offense is on another level. Right, because Bo is a guy you can hit one, two, three, four, five, and dominate in that spot. I mean, I like him hitting third or fourth. I mean, I love him in the, in the cleanup spot. I think it's a great spot for him. Um, but if he gets hot and he stays hot, and like this is the right time to get like to get hot. You know, he hasn't had the greatest of years, but it won't matter if he can get into the playoffs and continue that success throughout there. So I think moving forward, if we can see that kind of bow and the bow from last year and the bow from the year before that then we're sitting very, very nice going into the playoffs. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, you know, we're talking about Bo, and obviously, you know, his hitting is obviously where his value comes from. I, I just took a look here. I'm just browsing through some statistics. Did you know that the Baltimore Orioles are actually better on the road than they are at home? They have a 39-27 to 27 record. Does that surprise you? Like, you know, I was talking about the renovations of the field here. This is a team that surprisingly has a lot of power. Obviously, we know what Gunner can bring. Um, Rutschman, he's even got a little bit of pop in his bat. Obviously, Mountcastle, Cedric Mullins, too. This is a team that, you know, they expanded the field here in Baltimore, I guess, to limit home runs, uh, to win more contact games. But does that surprise you that a team like the Baltimore Orioles has such a vast difference, like 39 to 27 in terms of a way to home splits? I don't think it even has to do with the fact that it's, like, power-based. I think it's a very surprising fact, given how young the team is. I mean, you know, these young teams, they typically perform a lot better at home just because they haven't been around the sport long enough, and they don't know how to deal with these harsher environments, right? So that's definitely surprising. I don't know if I'd even chalk that. Like, I don't know if we can even say that that's, like, legit. I mean, we probably can, given that, you know, it's baseball, so it's a long season. But that's a fascinating stat, especially when you think about the ages. Like, I think we talked about... Adley earlier in the season, but the guy's what 21, 22. He's gonna be a phenom his whole career. I can already tell you right now, that guy just has a star written all over him. But yeah, that's like that's definitely uh, you know, something to look out for. Um, interesting fact for sure. I think the Jays are a much better team at home, and that's typically the trend that you see, right? You don't see teams often. I mean, the good teams will be good anywhere, obviously. The teams like the Dodgers, teams like the um, the Astros are good no matter where they play, obviously. But to see a team that's outside the playoff or the playoff picture right now, who's severely young, performing at that level away, gotta feel good if you're an Oriole fan. Gotta feel good. Well, if you're an Oriole fan, you gotta be happy with the season, no matter what. You can lose the rest of your games for the season. I still think it's a win. They got to 71 wins where you were last year with the cap hit. Sorry, with the payroll they have this year. Cap hit. I'm talking about other sports here. Um, but you know, let's go to tomorrow's game now. It's a 7.05 p.m. start. Uh, Mitch White is getting the ball for the Blue Jays. He's going to start. His record is 1-5. He's pitched 79 innings this year, a 4.67 ERA, a 1.39 whip, 67 Ks to 27 walks. Obviously, his numbers aren't the best, but I kind of like Mitch White. I, he's kind of that, you know, um, that sandpaper guy where he's just going to kind of what Stripling was at the start of the year. Remember when we were just saying, like, he just gets the job done? Well, looking back now, Stripling's stuff has just been nasty. So I don't think that, that that you know that threshold consists of him anymore. But Mitch White is just a grinder, and he's had some good performances with the Jays. Obviously, you know, he's that casual five-innings pitched guy, two earned runs, couple hits. But are, are you comfortable in Mitch White pitching tomorrow in a game that obviously it doesn't mean as much as if the Jays lost today, but they already took the first two? Are you confident in Mitch White uh, pitching tomorrow? Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, I'm actually a fan of Mitch White myself as well. I mean, I know his last two starts went terribly. Like, was, there's no way around it. I think, what, 13 earned runs over the last 10 innings? Yeah, not great. Um, 
But regardless, I think he's going to be a very good pitcher. I think he'll be a very good pitcher for a couple years. Um, I don't think we've seen him at his best yet, in my opinion. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the guy's going to go out there throwing eight innings of no-hit baseball. But in terms of, you know, that five-inning, one-run guy, four-inning, one-run guy, like, I think he's more than capable of doing that. I don't think we've seen him at his sharpest. And I think, you know, hopefully we can, you know, get into that this year. I mean, I'm sure with a full offseason to work, he'll come out a lot better next year. But, you know. I think I think there's more there for the rest of this year, and I think he's capable of being a very strong contributor in that like five spot in the rotation. Yeah, you know when they made the trade, there was a lot of talk that the Jays gave up, you know, a promising pitcher in Frasso, um, but Mitch White has came over and he's done well. Like you know, you mentioned those two last starts have been obviously not the best, uh, to put it in nice terms, but um, you know I'm I'm confident in him tomorrow. You know, you look at the games prior to those last two starts, right? Against the Yankees, four innings pitched, seven hits, uh, but only one earned run, five Ks. Then against Cleveland, 4.2 innings pitched, three hits, one earned run, five K, sorry, three Ks. Uh, then, you know, you go to the Minnesota game where he gave up three earned in 4.2 innings on six hits. Then you go to the Washington game where he went six innings, nine hits, and two earned with four Ks. You know, he's had some good performances. Obviously, these last two have not been great. Um, you know, it, it is kind of concerning that it was only against the Angels and the Cubs. But the Angels and Cubs both uh, played pretty well, I guess, for where they, where they lie in the standings in those series in Toronto. So, got to give them credit there. But, um, you know, Mitch White, like I said, like you said, right, we haven't seen the best from him. He's still only 27 years old. Uh, former... Dodger and we've seen how those work out uh, with the Jays with this uh, pitching staff you know in Ross so if he can just now I gotta ask you this like when they made this trade the first thing that went through my mind you know the way people were describing him uh, was you know he's that stripling hybrid kind of guy that he's a stripling 2.0 does that concern you with stripling's contract coming up that they went out to get a guy that a lot of people say is going to be that stripling 2.0 uh, no, I don't think it concerns me at all. I think, you know, if you look back to, you know, a couple of years ago when they acquired Robbie Ray, it was a similar thing. I'm not saying that, you know, Mitch White has the success in the past of Robbie Ray or that he'll have the future success of Robbie Ray. But what I'm saying is we've seen the Jays go out and get these like low end starters and more like long men out of the bullpen. Right. They love that long arm that can give them innings um, or it can eat up innings in the rotation as well. Right. They like that kind of style of pitcher. So, yeah, I think, you know, they're very similar, but I don't think it has anything to do, you know, one has nothing to do with the other. I think it's just independent because realistically, who wouldn't like to have two Ross Stripling's in the, in the, you know, as a part of the committee? I mean, I would. I'd love to have two Ross Stripling's to go to, right? Obviously, Ross is performing a lot better than Mitch at the moment, but that makeup of a guy who can give you four or five innings on a spot start or, you know, if he transitions into the bullpen, can give you three, four innings out of the bullpen, that's like a hot commodity, at, you know, if it can be done right. So, no, I don't think it's that concerning. I think it's a good move. I like the move at the time. I understand people saying that, oh, yeah, like, I think it was Frosso in the trade, like, like you said. Like, yeah, like, you know, it's, it's a big deal because, you know, Frosso definitely showed flashes of potential. But, you know, given that I believe he projected as a reliever, um, I don't hate this deal. I didn't hate it at the time, and I think even moving forward with how much control that Mitch White has, I think, we, you know, there's something there for sure. But, no, I don't think... You know, to answer your question, I would not be concerned about Stripling's free agency in regards to this trade. Let's just hope they pay Ross because he has been a very vital piece to this current team. And, you know, if they didn't have Ross stepping up the way he did this year, 
who knows if we're even talking about the playoffs with the Blue Jays right now, right? Maybe they are behind the eight ball and they're a couple games back, which I don't think is much of a hot take. I think it's pretty clear that if Ross hasn't pitched the way he has this season, this team would not be where they are right now with such a lead in the wild card that we hope that they can take uh, all the way to the end here. But, uh, you know, as we start to get to the end of this episode, Nick, I got to ask you, well, first, actually, I just want to make it clear to all Blue Jays fans listening. Thank Nick right now on the social medias for this collapse of the Yankees, because he is the one that called it. I think it was the day of the trade deadline. Wasn't it Nick? Yeah, it was. I I actually told you exactly what was going to (laughs) happen. Like you full on, I don't know what you did. You might've cursed the Yankees, but you said um, that, you know, it's, you know, who knows if the, the Yankees can keep playing up to the standards, right? It's something like a big question like that as well. And wow, have they really (laughs) proved you to be right? They have been a disaster lately. And uh, it looks like it's only going to get worse. Like today I'm scrolling through Instagram and I'm seeing New York Yankees fan pages even post is this team going to make the playoffs with a question mark? Like, that is how bad of a fall-off we are seeing right now. I just want to tell all the Jays listeners, give credit for Nick, because at the time, nobody was talking about this, but our host here at Battleborn Fan Talk, Nick Veloch, was the only one that really spoke volume, and wow, grand slam take there. Nick, do you want to finish off on that? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I wasn't going to say that I was blindly hating. I just felt like given, you know, what I had seen from the team, it looked like they were relying heavily on these guys who had no proven track record beforehand. You look at Jose Trevino being an all-star. There's no basis for that going back a year ago. Going, you know, he was he wasn't brought to this that team to be an all-star, right? He wasn't brought in to be that caliber player, and that was something you saw with a lot of the guys in the lineup. Funny enough, is that the Jays picked the worst stretch to also play just as bad. So even though the Yankees were terrible, the Jays didn't play nearly well enough to take advantage of it. Because honestly, had they even played like, I don't know, 70% as well as they've, as they've played like recently, they're probably tied for the division, to be honest, how terrible of a month uh, August was for the Yankees. Like, I think the Jays probably might even be leaving the division. Like, that's how, you know, the Jays picked a bad time to play poorly, but that's just how bad the Yankees were. But yeah, I think, you know, given that the Yankees basically had one of the best offenses despite only Judge popping out, not to mention that, you know, we know how injury-prone that lineup is given Stanton. I mean, Judge stayed healthy to his credit, but Stanton um, and all those guys, like, you know, I, I think it was fairly uh, easy to see, easy to tell that this wasn't going to stick because I think they were at, like, a record pace for offense, which doesn't make any sense in my opinion at the time. Um, but, yeah, and, I, and in my opinion, I know this is unrelated, but I didn't like the Jordan Montgomery deal. I thought it was pointless. I thought they should have kept him. I think he was more than good enough to be in that rotation. Um, he's shown out for St. Louis. So they're a real big winner there. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't mind taking credit for that one. I was wrong about Paul Blackburn earlier in the year. So you know what? You got to <laughs> shoot enough shots. Eventually, we get one right. <laughs> the redemption. Um, okay. Now, you know, hearing you talk about that, doesn't it kind of frustrate you a bit? that now you know we look at the situation we see that the division is actually potentially back in play that the jays didn't do more at the deadline like i know it's it's tough to predict you know the jays should have had you in management to predict this because right now if they went out and spent a little bit more you know brought in a little bit more talent let's say they brought in a real top arm where when you asked me do you play burrios i'm like no question you know we got like a I don't want to say Frankie Montas because he hasn't been great, but let's say they got Castillo or something and 
you have Castillo in there and I'm like, yeah, that's a no brainer. Right. But does that like make you question your faith in the management here in Toronto? Because a fan like you was able to judge the situation of the Yankees. And right now, if this team did, I guess, have those little pieces, those star studded little ads here, who knows what would have happened with this Jays team. They might've went on to completely take the division back here. And if you are a division winner with home advantage in the postseason with a team like that, that is, could be as hot as the Jays here at that time, if they did add those guys, you know, that's potential world series contender, right? Does that make you question Atkins and Shapiro? Uh, I don't think so. I think in all fairness to them, everything that I read and everything that I kind of saw, you know, both on Blue Jays, Twitter, and just in general, was that um, opposing teams just didn't view the Jays' farm system as desirable. Um, and, you know, unfortunately for the Jays, that means you either have to pay, like, an insane premium or you're just not going to get anybody at all. Um, you know, the the top three prospects that we have, top five, I think, are legit. But outside of that, there really isn't anything to write home about. Um, and, you know, the problem is those top guys are practically untouchable for the level of arms or level of talent that was available. So cause it's all about paying the right price, right? That's the main thing about the deadline. Like, you don't want to overpay to get the right guy. If like, you know, if that's what it takes. Sometimes the right guy just, you know, doesn't you know, he cost. He doesn't cost or he costs too much for your lower end prospects. But he's, you know, giving up your top guys for him would make no sense. I think that was kind of the case with the Jays. Um, and it's unfortunate. I did, you know, for what they did, I didn't hate their moves. I mean, unfortunately, like you look at kind of like a guy like Jordan Groshans, who just completely fell off the table value wise. Um, like Anthony Bass and Zach Pop, like it's not a bad return. But let's be honest here. Like you go back a year ago, you're getting a lot more than just that. Uh, for him right so I think it was just an um, unfortunate circumstance and you know they couldn't bank on the Yankees falling off because like you can't really do that in sports um, you know as much as you'd like to Uh, so I think you know all in all I don't think this makes me doubt them I I think that unfortunately it was just one of those situations where they didn't want to give up too much for an uncertain thing Um, but I think moving forward now you know after the past draft and all that hopefully the farm system rebuilds enough where we can make a move in the future, or if a top-end talent does become available, we can actually move one of the pieces that are higher up on our farm system for them. But I think if, you know, given what happens this year, uh, going into next year, I do think they'll have to make some sort of big acquisition, whether it's off-season or um, deadline. And I think if we don't see any movement there, then you kind of got to call into question. I, I will say for what it's worth, though, the more concerning thing was giving the Kikuchi deal, like, I think I might have said at the time that I wasn't that I was okay with it, but honestly, the more he struggled, the more I looked into the numbers, and it's a very puzzling deal to say the least. Yeah, you know, one thing with that Kikuchi deal, I, I just wonder if maybe they wanted to take that bet that they know they saw what you know Pistol Pete was able to do with uh, Robbie Ray and you know the other players that he's worked with. We saw what he did in the past with Piaginis and the Estradas, right? So I wonder if maybe they were able to take like that into consideration and make that bet. Or if potentially there was other teams outside, right? Like maybe there was other teams that were offering Kikuchi a, a longer term with a lower AAV, um, perhaps maybe even like a team that is in the division, right? Like we, there's teams like maybe even Baltimore was willing to pay a little bit because they didn't spend that much or even the Yankees. It's just like, it's kind of weird that the Jays went with this deal, gave term, right? With, you know, that amount of money for a guy that was only supposed to be our fifth guy. 
when they were rumored to be interested in, you know, the Maylies and Luis Castillo's and the Frankie Montas's from before the season even started. Like, does that, like, do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, no, I get that 100%. You know, I think it's tough. I think they're banking on, you know, getting something out of them. Um, And, you know, sometimes when you gamble, you lose, right? And I think that's what this might be the case. But we'll see if they can salvage it, Um, you know, and hopefully something comes out of it, right? I think they were hoping kind of to, you know, be ahead of the bullet there with, with that deal, given that. You know, the Robbie Ray thing worked out, but didn't work out because they didn't have him locked up long term and they didn't want to pay him. So I think I saw what their motivation was behind it. And I didn't hate the idea of it, but it's kind of just blown up in their face. Yeah, it's it's tough to see. You know, I was rooting for Kikuchi. Obviously, things didn't go this far, like anybody's way so far, but who knows? I, I got to ask you just quickly here as we get to the end of this episode. If the playoffs were tomorrow, would he be on the roster for the playoffs? I haven't seen enough. I have not, given how how much deeper the bullpen is. I have not seen enough to warrant Kikuchi getting a spot in that bullpen. Yeah, I agree. Like that's what I was going to say. Like you know, we make the claim about Barrios getting paid and having to be that guy, but with Kikuchi, we just really haven't seen it. And like you know, we, we talk about Barrios and the Ks come like in loads, right? Like ten Ks a night to compare to like where two Ks where he gets hit like eighteen times in two games, like. That at least is encouraging. You know, there's stuff there that you're hoping to work with. With Kikuchi, it's like, look at his starts. Okay, yeah, he pitched good on Saturday, but look who he played, the Pirates, right? So, um, you know, it's definitely something that I think is going to be talked about a lot more as we get to the end here, this stretch, this final stretch. But, you know, Kikuchi just hasn't done enough, in my opinion, and I agree with that. And I don't see how you put him on the roster right now with how the bullpen's doing, but a lot can change here. Um, Nick, it was good recording with you again. Obviously, we're going to be back this week as we're going to be recording a lot more regularly now with the final stretch run in play. The playoffs are around the corner, and that is the best time to talk baseball, and I cannot wait. Is there anything you want to finish on here as uh, we get ready for tomorrow's game as the Blue Jays take on the Baltimore's at 7.05 p.m. with Mitch White on the mound? Yeah, um, you know, I think... Given, you know, the space in between our last episode, a lot has changed and we see how easy it is for expectations and our outlook on the season to change as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember, you know, after the Yankee series, you think, you know, we're on top of the world, we're the best team ever. And then, you know, then we get humbled by the Angels. <laughs> now we're back on top of the world. Like things change so fast in the baseball world. And I think uh, it's important to know that moving forward, we do have a very strong core and we're going to be a very good baseball team. Um, I remember last year we missed it by one game, right? Like we missed by one yeah, game. One game. So every game matters. Every game matters. Um, and I'm excited because I have a good feeling about this team moving forward. I agree. All right, Nick, thank you for joining me today. And we will be back this week to talk more Blue Jays baseball.
Stripping all these cats down here 